We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. How's everybody doing today? Hope we're having a good one. It is Sunday, July 3rd coming at you with a weekend edition of the Ducks Dish podcast and we have plenty of stuff that we're going to get into today. Lots of exciting topics for you guys. As always, I'm your host Max Torres in case you guys are new here. uh, We are live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. Uh, If you guys have not watched the uh, YouTube channel before or if you haven't tuned into a live show, definitely you want to have a want to urge you guys to consider heading over to the YouTube channel and uh, jumping in on the live chat, live discussion. We always talk about a lot of really interesting things and it's really fun to engage with the Oregon fan base. So with that being said, if you guys are here in the live show, definitely hop into the live chat. Let me know what's on your mind right now. Uh, Just to kind of orient today's show, we are going to be talking about Oregon's latest commitment in the 2023 recruiting class, that of course being edge rusher Tatum Tuioti. That name sounds familiar. It's because it should. Uh, And then we're also going to be talking about some more generic Oregon recruiting talk. Uh, Also going to talk about some big names that the Ducks are still going after on the recruiting trail. Um, What else do we have? I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a shot at uh, some early thoughts on how conference realignment could potentially impact Oregon on the recruiting trail, on the recruiting front. Um, So yeah, we have plenty of stuff to get into here as the college football world is still just getting shockwaves sent through it after the news broke earlier this week that USC and UCLA would be leaving the Pac-12 conference and heading to the Big Ten in 2024. So with all that being said, let's get into the latest episode today. Appreciate you guys tuning in, however you're tuned in, whether it be on podcast, uh, on podcasting platforms or here live on YouTube. So yeah, with all that being said, let's get to it. We're going to be talking about Oregon's latest commit in the 2023 class, which is, of course, Tatum Tuioti. He is a an edge rusher in the 2023 class. Going to see if I can pull up some of his highlights here. Just uh, just bear with me here while I uh, shift things around on my screens a little bit here. And then we'll get into it. All right, so we'll see how this works with my internet, but I'm going to give it a shot. Got Tatum Tuioti's highlights up on the screen here. So he's a six foot two, six foot three, 220 pound edge rusher. 
Um, he's a, actually he's a local talent now because he's the son of new Oregon defensive line coach Tony Tuioti, who comes over from the Nebraska Cornhuskers after being on the same coaching staff as former Oregon coach Scott Frost. We all know that connection there. So uh, because of that, Tatum spent the 2021 season at Lincoln Southeast High School out in Nebraska. And kind of some of my early thoughts on um, on uh, Tatum is that he kind of strikes me as uh, kind of a low floor, higher ceiling kind of a player. Um, you know, I think anytime you have a coach join a new staff, a new school, I feel like you kind of automatically become a, uh, uh, you know, a player in, in their son's recruitment. Uh, if, if they do have a son that is, you know, in, uh, you know, of college talent that of that caliber, but just kind of some of the things that stand out to me about Tatum on the tape is, is that he really strikes me as a disruptive player. Uh, he likes to kind of get, get his nose in there, get his hand in there and, and mix things up. You can see on his tape, if you guys are watching on YouTube, I got the highlights that he likes to get in there and, and, and kind of mix things up. He's, he's causing fumbles when he's going for these quarterback sacks. He, he's batting down passes. Uh, so even if he's not necessarily getting a sack, he's still affecting the play, right? Still helping for some of these turnovers. I think another thing, too, that, that stands out to me about his game is that it looks like he has a pretty good football IQ, right? Uh, I think he has a pretty good feel for the game just, just naturally. Uh, I think when you watch some of his pass rushes, uh, you see him kind of drop back and, and sniff out a couple of screen plays. We had a play earlier uh, in the highlight reel that uh, showed him you know, snagging an interception. So anytime you're an edge guy getting an interception, I think that also speaks to your athleticism. Not the biggest guy uh, you know, in the world as far as you know, his physical gifts. I don't think that physically – He's necessarily blowing you away at 6'2", 220 pounds. But you figure if he gets to Oregon, gets in the weight room with Wilson Love, uh, then you can probably add some weight so you're a little bit more college-ready, maybe in the in the 240 range, I think, is kind of what you're looking for. I believe KT, when he was at Oregon, he was kind of playing in that 245, 250, 255 range. Um, so, yeah, I think I don't want that to come off as a slight, but I'm trying to get a little bit better at uh, and evaluating players and, and analyzing their play on the field. And, uh, you know, the only way to do that is to, to keep on studying, keep on studying the film and, and see what stands out, right? Um, I'd say that for Tuioti, he, stri- he strikes me as a player who's maybe a, better, a bit quicker rather than fast, um, kind of has uh, a little bit of a rugged style, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think that he's maybe a little bit more of a raw prospect, but you got to think that having – uh, you know, a dad that's coaching in college football, he's really going to help him hone in on his technique and, and he's only going to get better as uh, as time goes on, right? So there's another play, like I mentioned earlier, where he's disruptive, getting his hands up and batting the pass down and then helping his team snag an interception on defense. It also looks like with Tuioti that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't necessarily over-pursue. I think that's another thing that you want to look for when you're evaluating talent within the front seven of a defense you know, is, is a guy a little bit overzealous sometimes? Does he get a good first step off the ball and then jolt past the quarterback and then miss out on a sack sometimes? Or maybe he goes too far and then he can't get the running back down in the backfield or receiver, uh, you could say as well. Um, so I feel like Tatum Tuioti, he's he's a good pickup for the Ducks. And I think that his the timing of his commitment is definitely pretty notable, right? We, we just got into the recruiting dead period uh, about a week ago. So I feel like 
after that big visit weekend, there were a lot of expectations for this Oregon football staff on the recruiting trail, right? You had some people on social media just uh, kind of saying, you know, have a, a, a general, generically, you know, uneasy tone, you know, where are the commitments? What was the staff doing on the trail? But I think I say all that to say that adding the commitment at the beginning of July is definitely good. July oftentimes serves as the commitment season for not only Oregon, but really schools across the country. I think some schools that are going on a run of late, obviously you have Texas, right? They got Arch Manning, wide receiver Jontae Cook, who had Oregon in his final three, by the way. Um, Side note about Jontae Cook is that it really sounds like it came down to Texas and Oregon. Not a huge surprise that Texas ultimately went out seeing that he is one of the best that the Lone Star State has to offer. Longhorns aren't going to let recruits like that go easily and get out of the states, get beyond the state's borders. But I think he was talking about with Michigan, you know, that's just, uh, he was saying they kind of just have their standard recruiting pitch. But with Oregon, they did a really good job prioritizing relationships and building him, building relationships with him. When I talked to him, he was saying that Oregon really did a number on him and that, um, that they really gave him a good shot. So that's a quick, quick little side tangent on John Tay Cook. But Texas is a team that's going on a bit of a run with recruiting. In the Pac-12, we've seen Washington surging uh, of late on the recruiting trail. So you got to know for, for Oregon fans, they're definitely waiting to have their counterpunch ready. And I tweeted out, like, I feel like, look at these runs that Washington and Texas are going on. I feel like if, if Oregon can get a little uh, string of commitments together here, with some of the guys, especially that they've hosted for official visits in the past two weeks, then it's, it's definitely going to be definitely going to be a big time for them. Um, so that's why I feel like this commitment is, is coming at a good time for Oregon that they, they needed to get some positive momentum going on the recruiting trail. Uh, and there are actually some other guys that they are going to be going to be looking at here down the line and in, in the future. Right. Um, I think the next guy that kind of comes to mind right now would probably have to be 2023, uh, cornerback Caleb Presley. He's going to be announcing his commitment on um, Tuesday, July 5th. I'm trying to look up the details of that announcement real quick so I can keep you guys updated and informed. All right, Caleb Presley will be announcing his college commitment uh, on July 5th at 5 p.m. So it's Tuesday, July 5th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um what other details do we have? Caleb Presley is down to a final six of Alabama, UCLA, Michigan State, Oregon, Texas A&M, and Washington. So I feel like that's the next big name that you guys have to keep an eye on if you're an Oregon fan on the recruiting trail. Keep an eye on what's coming um, and, and what kind of moves Oregon can make uh, when it comes to recruiting moving forward here in a very important month of June. If you guys have been following recruiting for a while, you know that it's important that schools do a lot of their heavy lifting in the spring and summer months so that when football season comes around, you can really focus on the on-field product and continue to build momentum. Let's see here. We got a question. Thanks for the question. Uh, I Dead Wait says, did the news of USC and UCLA slow down recruit commitments? Also, are we still waiting on Notre Dame to make a move so we can get in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think, see, I can't definitively tell you that the news of UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten slowed down recruit commitments, but that was one of the talking points that I actually had in mind for today's show is it wouldn't surprise me if it does end up slowing down some commitments, not necessarily for Oregon, but just for high school football recruits in general, right? 
this is a major decision that you have to be making. And now you see a move like this uh, with, with a, a major conference grabbing two huge, huge schools. And I wouldn't be surprised if it served as something that would maybe, uh, you know, make you think a little bit more about your decision. Uh, we know a lot of recruits, they want to be playing that big time football. That's why they head to some of these big conferences like the SEC, like the Big Ten. So I don't think necessarily it did for Oregon. Um, like I said, we have uh, some targets that are announcing their uh, commitments in the upcoming uh, weeks. And I mean, some some people are even announcing us as soon as this week. So definitely have some guys you have to keep an, announcement, an eye on to see where they end up uh, going. One guy I'm going to mention is uh, Kennedy Catholic offensive lineman Micah Benuelos. He looks like he's going to be announcing his college commitment on July 8th. Uh, I have a recent interview with him that I did on Ducks Digest. So make sure you guys go check that out to see how the Ducks did on that visit. But that's going to be a tough one. I think Micah Benuelos, he, he's definitely one of the best offensive linemen in the Pacific Northwest. He's down to a final three of Oregon, Texas A&M, and USC. He was uh, on campus uh, in LA on that huge visitor weekend that the Trojan had, the Trojans had, he said that was a mind blowing visit. Uh, you guys, if you saw pictures of that, you saw recruits going into crypto.com arena, uh, for breakfast. That was also the week that, uh, Mateo Uyunglele was on campus at USC. So we're definitely seeing some overlap in terms of Oregon targets and, and guys that USC is going after, uh, as well. Um, so I feel like the Ducks are in a really good spot there. I know that he's told me multiple times that Adrian Clem and, and Coach v, Vianney um, have done a really good job building those relationships and, and just helping the Ducks stand out that much more. And uh, as far as the as far as the second um, the second part of this question, are we still waiting on Notre Dame to make a move so we can get into the Big Ten? Yeah, that's that's still what it's looking like right now. That's the next major domino that I think is going to fall in this whole realignment saga, I feel like um, Notre Dame is definitely one of the most attractive schools out there. Um, but what makes it interesting with them, obviously, is because they have a history of being independent, right? And they've already, they're already in a really good situation when it comes to media rights deals, recruiting, the on-field product. I'm, I'm really excited to see what Marcus Freeman can do in his first season as head coach of the Fighting Irish. Um, but some other schools, I think, could find themselves on the move very, very soon, right? I think that there's there's other big reporters that are saying if, if you think that the SEC is watching all this and they're just going to stand pat, then uh, you're you're sadly mistaken. Um, so I feel like schools to watch there, you, you could maybe see Miami. Obviously, there's a connection there with Oregon with Mario Cristobal being the new head coach over there. That's definitely one of the most historic college football programs. Haven't been very good on the field of late, obviously. I mean, if you watch college football, you don't need me to tell you that. But uh, that's still a huge, huge brand that I could definitely see the uh, SEC going after. Then you also have Florida State. That's a, a story program as well in the Sunshine State. And then I think UNC is another one as well with a with an improving football program. And obviously, how can you look past the history of UNC basketball with Michael Jordan and all the other greats that have gone through that school? So we're going to kind of just keep talking about conference realignment and recruiting. We're getting some good comments and questions, so definitely keep those coming my way. See me on the big screen asks, we need Dante big time. Yeah, you're talking about Dante more here. I feel like the sequence of events with Dante looked like it was very encouraging for Oregon. Oregon could still be the front runner, and at least on the surface looks like they are the front runner. 
Uh, just to get people up to speed, if you guys haven't been following this, the Ducks were able to get Dante Moore, five-star quarterback, out of Detroit on campus for an unofficial visit last weekend. That was the massive recruiting weekend that they held on uh, June 24th through June 26th. Uh, a weekend that was headlined by Moore, even though he was on campus in the unofficial capacity. I don't think it's a stretch to say that he became the headliner of that group once he decided that he was going to be taking that visit out to Eugene after getting onto campus for his official visit earlier in the spring. Other guys on campus, we obviously talked about Mateo. Uh, you also have five-star running back Richard Young out of Florida. Um, Jaden Wayne was here, and Jaden Wayne has since announced that he is going to be transferring to IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida uh, for his senior season. So we can talk a little bit more about some of the potentially negative moves or developments that we've seen on the recruiting trail that could have an impact on the Ducks and this 2023 recruiting class. But just to reference this question, it feels like they really do need Dante. Um, you know, if they could add Dante more to this class, that would obviously just speak volumes about this staff in their first full cycle, their first year at Oregon. But Dante took that visit. And then after that visit, we obviously got into the dead period and he went down to Southern California, Redondo Beach High School or Redondo High. I think it was, and um, the Elite 11 MVP was Jackson Arnold, the Oklahoma commit, but um, you know, my coworkers at SIL American, my colleagues over there, they decided to name Dante Moore their, their Elite 11 MVP, and they did a lot of work just charting throws throughout the event, evaluating each event that they did. Uh, you had a seven-on-seven -seven portion, you had a, a pro day portion. Um, and you also had just, I don't really know what to call it, but the first day they just went through a variety of throws, rail shot. One thing that Dante Moore did that no other quarterback at the Elite 11 did is he did hit the field goal post for what that's worth. I don't think it's, um, you know, something that's super, super, super important. That's obviously not a, a throw you're necessarily going to be making in a game, but I think just to kind of contextualize that, they line guys up at the 50 and uh, have them just let it rip and try to hit the field goal post on the opposite side of the field. So Dante Moore is still definitely the biggest recruit. I think um, that Oregon looks like they're building some momentum for, but you got to figure here if, if you're, if you're these other schools, right. And it looks like you might've lost out on Dante Moore leading into uh, the elite 11 or coming off of that visit. Maybe you see this move, this news of realignment with um, with USC and UCLA, and maybe this opens the door for you, right? Notre Dame was kind of touted as the the longtime leader for more, uh, you know, for for months in his recruitment. Obviously, that's a pretty easy trip to take from from Detroit to um, South Bend, so they hosted him on campus multiple times, um, and I think that was a recruitment that. They really handled well through the coaching transition. So maybe, maybe Notre Dame gets back in the picture now, um, seeing that there's some some uncertainty right now with college football just in terms of, of um, what's happening with conference realignment and to the uh, previous question. Shout out Spindrift. Got to be able to have a couple sips throughout the show. Um, and then you have other schools like the in-state Michigan Wolverines. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you have the Wolverines that could still get in the picture. LSU still looking for a quarterback. So this is really interesting for the Ducks because not only do you have a, a couple other guys that are announcing their commitments uh, in the coming days, but 
do the Ducks maybe take Avery Johnson now? I think that's been one of the really interesting developments since Avery Johnson was on campus for his official visit uh, the weekend of June 17th. Um, I feel like that's interesting now because he was also someone who went to the Elite 11 and he performed pretty well. Um, And now he's announcing his college commitment on July 5th. Uh, He's down to Kansas State, Washington, and Oregon. Now Oregon could find themselves in a tough spot. I kind of talked about this I've talked about this on previous shows, but I feel like it's a point worth mentioning it again for Oregon. If you, if you want to get Dante Moore, which who wouldn't want to get Dante Moore, he's a phenomenal talent. Do you put all your eggs in one basket and then risk not landing him seeing that this could possibly, this whole realignment thing could give him more, uh, more reason to wait it out, to wait until the recruiting dead period ends and take more visits. Um, you know, I feel like too often we don't put ourselves in the shoes of these recruits. It's, you know, a lot of people obviously just want them to go to Oregon, um, especially if you're, you know, reading the, the updates over at Ducks Digest. But this is a really, really big moment in college football and college sports. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be crazy to see the impacts that it has. But I feel like Oregon, regardless of where they end up, they're still going to be able to play big football, play in big games, attract big audiences. And I think that they're in a, a good spot compared to some of these other schools. I have a story coming out on Ducks Digest from our Allie Osborne later this afternoon talking about kind of where the rest of the Pac-12 finds themselves in this uh, conference limbo. Nick says, Oregon got to go Von Moose from the Pac-12 and move to the Big Ten. Yeah, I think, you see, Nick, that's definitely been the popular idea with uh with Oregon fans right I think a lot of them want to go to the Big Ten because it seems like it's the most stable environment for them I feel like it's where they can still be competitive I mean when you're going up against Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State Penn State schools like that it's it's not an easy schedule right that that's that's an obvious takeaway from this if you move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten you're going to be facing a much more difficult uh schedule but at the same time Oregon's done all right against Big Ten schools in in recent years, right? You want to look at that most recent win in Columbus over the Buckeyes last year. I was at that game. It was pandemonium, coolest sports moment of my life. Uh, And then you also have the Red Box Bowl against Michigan State. If you were an Oregon fan and you went to the Red Box Bowl, you got to get like a shirt that says, I survived watching uh, the Red Box Bowl because that game was brutal to watch. I think the final was like 10-7, super, super low scoring. But I bring that up to say that's another win for Oregon over a Big Ten team. And you also have that previous series that the Ducks played against Michigan State when Marcus Mariota was here. They had the the Spartans in Eugene, and they were able to win that game, which was one of the probably one of the best non-conference games for Oregon in recent memory, right? And then the next year, they, uh, they have Vernon Adams come in after Mariota heads to the NFL, and they lose a close one to the Spartans. A lot of people want to talk about, what if Vernon Adams doesn't get hurt? Does that team go to the playoff? And, and the more I think about it, I feel like that's probably where we see um, Oregon going that year. But I think some people, I'm, I'm wondering if we should consider, I'm not saying this is the move. I'm just trying to give all of these options kind of uh, equal, equal, um, you know, thought and consideration. Some people in my previous shows have asked, what if Oregon goes the Clemson route? 
And essentially what they mean by going the Clemson route is you are in a weak conference and you dominate, right? That's kind of what the whole narrative has been behind the Clemson Tigers in the ACC in recent years. They've been the big dog in the ACC and they've dominated and they've, they've won national cha- national championships. They still recruit at a really high level. They're, they're loading up on great quarterbacks with DJU this year. I feel like he's going to come back and have a strong year. Kate Klubnik, um, a former five-star quarterback from the 2021 cycle. Um, there's just so many talented guys that are still going to Clemson. But I feel like if you take the Pac-12 and compare it to the ACC, some of the more bottom feeder schools or lower power, lower tier schools in the ACC are still definitely head and shoulders above some of the Pac-12 schools. So I think that it just keeps bringing me back to what my point of what I'm saying for these next two seasons. You got to dominate while you're still in the Pac-12 um, because Oregon hasn't been able to dominate these past couple seasons like they were to an to an extent in 2019. So I think all this conference limbo you got to control what you can control right now if you're Oregon. If you're looking forward to the 2022 season, 2023 season, you're going to be in the Pac-12 at least through then, I believe is what it is, um, you know, because USC is going in 2024. So I would assume there's some, uh, you know, similar parameters uh, in place for Oregon if they want to make the jump to another conference as far as timing goes. But I feel like, yeah, Nick, that's that's definitely the uh, the widespread feeling among Oregon fans right now is that they want to find themselves in the Big Ten uh, as soon as possible. And Oregon has a good situation when you're comparing them to a lot of other schools in the Pac-12 and just uh, nationally. I'm trying to find a recent poll that I ran. Let's see. Here's a, here's this poll about uh, which conference would you want Oregon to join? Um, so this had 658 votes, so not a massive sample size, but um, you know, I appreciate you guys. If you follow me on Twitter at mtorus sports, uh, taking some time to, to, uh, cast your vote. We had 67.8% that voted big 10, 24.5% that voted sec 6.2% voted big 12 and 1.5% ACC. So I think another thing to consider here is the sec, right? You can see the, you can see the, um, appeal that Oregon could have. For the SEC, Oregon is a national brand. People want to watch their games. They have the flashy uniforms. They've been recruiting at a high level. They're they're not bottom feeders really in any sport. They're going to feel the competitive team in virtually any sport. But I feel like geographically, the SEC is going to be so much harder to make it work. Um, but I feel like you can definitely see why Oregon would be appealing to a school like the SEC. Um, but I feel like the Big Ten is, is a better fit for them because they can be competitive uh, on the field, in football, especially in, in the Big Ten. So I feel like that's the, the better fit for them right now is going to the Big Ten. And you can see them having some of that consistency geographically playing schools like USC and UCLA. And then we'll see if uh, they end up moving uh, kind of in lockstep with Washington. I think that's obviously provided that Notre Dame doesn't join the Big Ten. That's kind of how I see it. I'm not going to come to you guys and say, oh, I know exactly how this is going to go out because this is like just a major fork in the road in in college football. But it seems like going off the information that we have available, the reports that we have available, looks like Notre Dame is the uh, next school to, you know, the next one that we have to consider here. 
And just, since we're talking about Notre Dame, let's uh, let's look at the comment here from D Rock Irish uh, out there in uh, Notre Dame country. Appreciate you stopping by and, and joining the show again. Uh, he's been at a couple of our previous shows, so really fun to connect with people from all over the country. D Rock Irish says, "I heard with the UC- USC UCLA move, the Big Ten to the Big Ten will cost the Pac-12 TV revenue two hundred million dollars a year." Yeah, I can't say, uh, and I can't confirm those numbers. I haven't seen the uh, the study there, but it's not a stretch to consider this, right? That's the LA market. That is one of the biggest television markets in the country. This this makes the Big Ten conference stretch from coast to coast. You get a little bit of that New York television market, having Rutgers out there in, in New Jersey, and then now you stretch as far west as Los Angeles. And you can expand that by going uh, up to the Pacific Northwest. And if you get a school like Oregon and um, and uh, obviously Washington. And then we're getting some more just to stay on Notre Dame for a bit. Um, Remedy asked in the chat, D-Rock, do you think Notre Dame will join the Big Ten? D-Rock said, in my opinion, there's very little Notre Dame talk from administration. I think they're considering it. If they wait too long, their options will be limited. But I feel like Oregon sorry, not Oregon. Gosh, I can't keep my school straight. I feel like Notre Dame has options, right? They have the the traditions of, of being an independent, um, of being one of the most attractive schools, regardless of sport, but that's just a name, Notre Dame. Like that's just a, such a, such a national brand and, and national fan base. Um, I feel like, I feel like Notre Dame fans, I don't know if I'm a Notre Dame fan, I feel like I could go either way. Like, I don't know how big of a deal it is to me that you stay independent because you can still play those big time games. You have uh, some really, really big schools that are in your vicinity. Uh, if you're just looking geographically, obviously Notre Dame starting, I believe it's the first game next season against Ohio state. Um, and you could probably schedule teams like Michigan, Michigan state. So I think it makes sense. And then you could try to keep some of those, some of those rivalries with Stanford, with USC, obviously with USC going to the Big Ten. If Notre Dame were to join, that would that would definitely be uh, easier. Nick says, seems like Oregon has applied to the Big Ten. That that is kind of what it looks like we're we're seeing um, just based off of reading the tea leaves. It, it would make sense to think that Oregon has at least pursued that option. Um, I just wonder what the timeline is for all of this. Like, if you when. When do you think the Big Ten is going to give an answer? Because I feel like Notre Dame, they they have to understand just you know this, the urgency that you have to move with here. But there's so many different factors at play. Another factor that uh, is getting brought up for um, some of these schools in the Pac-12 is uh, legislation, right? Um, in terms of these if we're looking just in the Pacific Northwest, right? Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, those are publicly funded schools, right? So here's something I wanted to just bring into the conversation. Um, this is a tweet from Drew Stokesbury. Uh, Drew Stokesbury is a state representative in the Washington legislator, legislator budget lead for Washington House GOP and running for re-election. So Drew tweeted today i sent a letter to the president and regents presidents and regions of uw and washington state pullman urging them to stick together for the good of our student athletes and fans 
Next Washington legislation session, I will introduce legislation requiring both schools to remain in the same conference as they have since 1917. So let's just zoom out here and talk about Oregon, Oregon State. Those are obviously two schools that could potentially be affected uh, by, um, you know, politics, for lack of a better word, right? Because they're both public universities. I feel like it could limit the options that they have, you know, the, the flexibility that they have when going uh, about making a move like this. So I think it's something to keep an eye on. And, and I would definitely want to do more research on it um, as far as just how this could affect things. If you're attached to the hip with Oregon State moving forward, I, I definitely don't think that's something that you that you want um, just because they're not that uh, not that big of an athletic program they, they definitely pull their weight in, in baseball and have been doing really well in basketball lately but football wise they um you know aren't really known as a, a power school i think i will say that jonathan smith i'm really confident in what he has going on there in corvallis they uh, are renovating some of their uh, stadium uh, over there at reser that's uh, some ongoing construction so I think that's uh, an interesting thing to to keep in mind here because there's so many factors at play here. It's not just any one sole factor. Sure, you could say it's the money. We all know it's about the money at this point, but um, just because it's all about the money doesn't mean that it's going to make the decision that much easier. There looks like there's you know a lot of parties involved here. You know, with with, with Oregon, you want to um, you want to consider. Phil Knight and obviously the pull that, that he has with, with Nike and how that could kind of factor into the equation here about what the Ducks eventually end up doing uh, and what the Pac-12 looks like moving forward. Let's see what else. I think we had another another comment here. Uh, Remedy says, oh, no, sorry. This is from Devi. Uh, some recruits are announcing on the 5th. Any chance we land some? Yeah, we were, we were talking earlier in the show uh, about Rainier Beach corner, Caleb Presley. He's announcing his college commitment on July 5th. And uh, he has a lot of Pac-12 schools in the running. Um, we're obviously talking about Oregon being one of the contenders, UCLA being a contender, Washington, um, Texas A&M, Michigan State. Michigan State's definitely... Uh, giving him their best shot after getting him on campus for an official visit before his Oregon visit. And then Alabama, I believe, was the sixth finalist listed. Uh, another recruit that is announcing on July 5th is Malik Benson. He is the junior college wide receiver uh, that um, started off his, his string of official visits in uh, Eugene. He's committing on July 5th. I think for Oregon, it was interesting because they had that first official visit and I think they really, really set the standard for, you know, all these other schools and that standard that they have to match. Uh, Malik Benson's working from a top five, um, which just obviously worked well with his official visits, seeing that you get five official visits. But uh, the schools that Malik Benson is working with right now, you have Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama, and Oregon. He's coming out of Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. He was a junior college All-American. I believe he's the number one ranked recruit in the 247 Sports JUCO rankings. So Malik Benson is another name to keep an eye on uh, as he gets closer to a commitment. It looks like, 
Let's see who got the final official visit. I think just going off of his social media, it looked like it was either Georgia or um, Alabama that got his final official visit. I think some of these other schools, obviously you look at Georgia, you look at Alabama more recently, they obviously had the Heisman trophy winner uh, with Devonte Smith and then Bryce young, but wide receiver talent has absolutely been coming out of Tuscaloosa. Jameson Williams being one of the recent uh, wideouts that is now on the Detroit lions. So I think that Alabama really has, uh, you know, a good case to make as far as the wide receiver room goes, Georgia coming off of that uh, national championship appearance, sorry, national championship victory. Obviously we got to remember that they won it all last year. So yeah, Debbie, those are a couple of recruits to keep an eye on. Uh, Caleb Presley, you also have Michael, Micah Banuelos, who's announcing his college commitment. He told me July 8th, and then um, Malik Benson is definitely someone to keep an eye on too because he loved his official visit to Oregon. And you can check out that right up on DucksDigest.com if you haven't read it yet. So I'm going to take a quick break for uh, those that are listening on the podcast, but we will be right back with more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thanks. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, coming at you with a Sunday edition of the Ducks Dish Podcast, where we talk all things Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting, and of late, conference realignment, because it is just pure chaos right now in college football and the NCAA college athletics. But I wanted to take uh take some time for a little bit of an interesting topic with regard to the transfer portal and coaches and, and kind of a unique way that Oregon uh, and a lot of other coaches, um, frankly, have been utilizing the transfer portal. It's uh, kind of, I feel like, a little bit of an underrated, uh, you know, perspective, but at the same time, it's interesting. So we're talking about, um, you know, coaches being on the move and then bringing players from their previous stops, right? You have Lincoln Riley probably being the best example of this at USC after he made his transition from the Oklahoma Sooners. There were multiple players uh, on the Sooners roster and then perhaps more importantly on in the Sooners 2022 recruiting class that followed him from Norman to Los Angeles. If we're talking about recruits, you got Relique Brown and Caleb Williams being some of the biggest ones. I'm sorry, Relic Brown and Malachi Nelson, the 2022 running back and the 2023 quarterback, respectively. Caleb Williams was obviously his quarterback, and he came in and played a really phenomenal 
uh, season after unseating Spencer Rattler, who is now at South Carolina. So let's switch it up and look at Oregon's angle with this, right? I think the uh, obvious one that we talked about earlier, uh, we have Tony Tuioti and his son Tatum. Um, that's definitely a good connection that you want to have. And then um, Demetrius Martin uh, and Cole Martin, his son's committed. So we're seeing some father-son duos here on the recruiting trail. Um, and then you have Casey Rogers, defensive lineman out of Nebraska, as well as Jordan Riley, defensive lineman out of Nebraska uh, as well. Both of those guys looks like they have made it to Eugene and have enrolled with the Ducks for the summer. I think that those are two solid additions in terms of just beefing up their defensive line. Um, and I think the defensive line is definitely going to be a strength for the Ducks this year. You have Brandon Dorless is probably the main name along the defensive line heading into next season. Popo Amavai, he was really solid. Uh, wasn't available in the Alamo Bowl as it looked like he got surgery. And he is uh, working his way back to full health ahead of the 2022 season. Uh, wasn't available in spring football. And then you also have Keon Ware Hudson, who missed kind of the tail end of the 2021 season. Um, I think the first time I saw he was injured was uh, in that Washington game. He, he didn't play in that one. And then that was obviously a game in November. And then the rest of the season kind of uh, transpired how it did. But uh, I feel like he's a guy who looked like he was definitely turning the corner. I feel like I'm going to be looking at Keon Ware Hudson as someone who can help bridge the gap and keep that as a strong group after the Ducks lost uh, Jason Jones, huge defensive lineman who returns to his home state of Alabama to play for Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Tony Tuioti and some of the guys that uh, he's recruited since coming over from Nebraska. This next one isn't as much of a direct correlation, but you have Junior Adams coming from the University of Washington, and then the Ducks also land uh, defensive tackle Sam Taki Taimani uh, to help shore up the trenches. He looks like someone who could definitely carve out a significant role this year, someone that the defensive staff feels confident in emerging as a leader of that Oregon defensive line, which, like I said earlier, is looking very deep right now. And then don't forget that the Ducks also added a couple guys in the 2022 class from the recruiting trail. We're talking, of course, about Sir Mel's huge defensive lineman out of the Las Vegas area, Henderson, Nevada, uh, Liberty High School, also the same high school as Anthony Jones, who enrolled early with the Ducks. He's an edge in the 2022 signing class. And then also both of those guys were former Washington commits. So I'm sure that makes it a little bit sweeter for the Ducks to, uh, get some recruiting wins over the dogs. And you also have Ben Roberts out of Utah. He's a huge dude. And uh, you know the tradition that Utah has for developing really strong talent in the trenches along the lines of scrimmage. And then looking at some other connections here, you have uh, Demetrius Martin, who comes over from the University of Colorado. And uh, another player that he was able to get to join the Ducks is cornerback Christian Gonzalez, who might have the most to prove out of anybody on that Oregon defense heading into 2022 just because he's a newcomer. But I feel like the storyline around him is that you lose guys like Mike Wright, you lose um, DJ James, who goes back to Auburn, um, who's, you know, transfers to Auburn. I think that Christian Gonzalez comes to Oregon and he is expected to be that plug and play guy. Uh, he's coming to Oregon and kind of almost instantly becomes the most experienced, most veteran cornerback in that room, a room that is very young. Um, I think that I've been pretty vocal about that in terms of that room is talented, 
but it doesn't have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football at the college level. You have some some guys that are looking for snaps. Uh, obviously, um, Jalen Davies transferred to UCLA. That was a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, he's from the Southern California area, but it felt like this was a perfect time for him to get some more snaps after losing a couple of corners from last season. Uh, you also have Dante Manning. He's a guy that I think uh, this Oregon staff is definitely very high on. He uh, he was really a twitchy athlete coming out of um, St. Louis, Missouri uh, in high school. Uh, I think it was Raytown High School was where the, the Ducks found him. One of the highest rated defensive back commits that Oregon has ever gotten. He got a little bit banged up in spring ball. So that's, that's a bummer that the Ducks weren't able to kind of get him a little bit more integrated into this system this new Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy defense. But um, so we're talking about more corners and kind of what, what Oregon's cornerback room is, is looking like right now. And then just to kind of keep running through the list, Devontae Dickerson uh, comes out of the state of Nebraska. He was a former uh, All-American as a, a prep. So he was in that historic 2021 recruiting class. But um, the Ducks look like they could be leaning on him for some more snap, snaps in 2022. Darren Barkins. Uh, he came out of modern-day Catholic Chula Vista in the San Diego area where the Ducks also found C.J. Verdell. So that's someone that you want to keep an eye on uh, heading into heading into next season as someone who could have more snaps. And then you have the Jaleels in the 2022 recruiting class coming out of Lincoln High School in San Diego. Jaleel Florence uh, enrolled early in the spring and was able to get some good spring practice in. He had a really great highlight in the spring game. Uh, with an interception that on a pass that was intended for Isaiah Crocker and just kind of a little bit of an acrobatic move. But I feel like he's someone that you could definitely see competing for early snaps because the Ducks do need help at the cornerback spot. And then you have Jalil Tucker, his teammate that uh, stayed stayed behind to finish out his senior year, senior season at Lincoln. And what does he do? Oh, he also runs track. Definitely one of the fastest guys in California. And he's bringing that game-changing speed to Oregon. And then another person that you probably want to talk about with the cornerback room would be Triquiz Bridges, who's kind of floated between back and forth between safety and corner for, for next season. Uh, Slayer's in here saying, go Ducks. What's up, Slayer? Glad to have you back on the on the show. Um, and then who else do we have here in the, the cornerback room? I feel like I hit most of them. Um, Triquiz Bridges, for what it's worth, he spent most of the last season at corner, and it looks like he's probably going to be transitioning back to safety for the most part. Uh, and then Brian Addison is just another long defensive back that uh, has also spent time, I think, kind of at both spots. But he had a really inter- impressive interception of Ty Thompson that we all saw in spring practice. So I think that's kind of an interesting deal when you're looking at the secondary, just in terms of that versatility that they're uh, that they're looking to, to deploy here. And then last one I wanted to talk about was um, was. Um, Matt Pallage, right? I feel like Matt Pallage is really showing, uh, you know, his his worth as a recruiter and his talent there in the state of Texas. You have Kamari Terrell uh, out of the Lone Star State. He's defensive back. I believe he's listed as a corner, but um, but maybe we'll see him as a as a safety. Kind of have to wait and see. But Matt Pallage lands Tyler Turner in the 2023 recruiting class, and why is that significant? It's because of that relationship that was there. Tyler Turner was a former Baylor commit, and that is, of course, where the Ducks found Matt Pallage before joining Dan Lanning's staff. They both coached on the same staff at Sam Houston State in 2014. Uh, Let's see. We've got a super chat from Christopher. Appreciate the super chat, Christopher. Uh, Christopher uh, says, so with the Duck, 
with the Ducks more than likely joining the Big Ten, and I, am I wrong that they'll see a big boost recruiting, especially in the Midwest and the and SEC country? Yeah, um, let's see. I think an interesting way to tackle this – oop, I'm bumping into my desk here. I think an interesting way to tackle this that you have to look at is look how far they've already come, right? They were they were in top 10 territory already with uh, with Mario Cristobal, obviously, here. And we got other people asking, you know, I've been thinking about how this is going to affect recruiting. I think a move like this is only going to help them in recruiting. If you join the Big Ten, it's certainly not going to be taking a step back because you're going to be playing better teams week in and week out. Um, and that's huge. That's what recruits want. That's a huge box for you to check with these recruits. Not only do they know they want to commit to a school knowing that they're going to be able to get developed and get to the NFL they want to know that they're going to be playing the best of the best. Um, I was talking to a recruit the other day and I was saying, you know, what are you most excited about when it comes to Oregon? And he was saying, honestly, the competition, that competition that Dan Lanning and the staff is creating on this roster is massive. Good players want to play with good players. And that is obviously the trend that we're seeing with Oregon and a lot of these other schools that just keep stacking and stacking and stacking good recruits. Um, I feel like moving to the big 10, could very well help Oregon push closer to the to top five territory in recruiting just because of the boost in profile that you get from being linked to the Big Ten. An important thing to consider here, though, if you go to the Big Ten, you are going to be contending with some very, very heavy hitters in recruiting. And I think that recruiting battles are going to be even more heavily contested if you move to the Big Ten. Obviously, you have USC right there in, in in California. So I think that their move to the, the Big Ten is only going to intensify the recruiting battles that we see in Southern California. But um, if you join the Big Ten, you're going to have to go against the likes of Ohio State, against the likes of Michigan. Ohio State recruits at a top five level year in and year out. You already know that. And uh, Michigan I think that their 2023 class has, has obviously left a little bit to be desired. Uh, if they could get Dante Moore, that would be pretty big. But yeah, Christopher, I don't think that uh, I don't think you're wrong to say that you could see a big boost in recruiting uh, for Oregon if they um, if they join the Big Ten. There's a lot of talent in the Midwest that I think um, kind of goes untapped. I feel like you don't really see a lot of Midwest talent um, going to the Pac-12. Uh, I think that with schools like Iowa and uh, Nebraska, you're probably a little bit looking more at trench talent. But um, you know, look at look at uh, Caden Proctor, huge, huge time, uh, big time um, offensive line talent that uh, was supposed to be here for an official visit a couple weeks ago. But before that official visit, he announced that he was going to be cutting it down to two schools, Iowa and Alabama. With him being such a uh, big prospect in the state of Iowa, it kind of felt like they were maybe Iowa's, he was maybe Iowa's to lose. But yeah, I think Oregon's already kind of seen a little bit of a boost in SEC country, right? You want to look at Dante Dowdell as probably the most notable example uh, of Oregon's success in SEC country uh, to go into a state like Mississippi for a big time running back. One of the best running backs in the state, probably the best running back in the state, certainly for 2023 to go into Mississippi and land Dante Dowdell over schools like Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Uh, you know, that's definitely a recruiting battle that uh, Lane Kiffin would have loved to win. But um, yeah, I think that joining the Big Ten would 
come with its challenges with recruiting, kind of like I mentioned in my answer, I feel like it's only going to help them without a doubt. So let's see uh, what other ones we have here. Give me a second. Um, okay, DRock Irish giving us a little bit more of the Notre Dame angle. He says, Irish AD said there are three items to consider. One, will it create a roadblock to keep Notre Dame from the college football playoff? Two, will there be a vast difference in revenue with TV deals? Three, forgot that one. I'll try to look for it. He said, the difference between conference team revenue is vastly different from Notre Dame. So I think that you have to keep an eye on um, all these factors. I think that was one of the biggest things to consider when we're looking at Notre Dame and, and where this decision ultimately lies for them, right? That's one of the things that I think they've talked about as far as why they won't join a conference is because they can still get to the playoffs. So until there's a roadblock for them, uh, if the college football playoff committee says we're not going to, um, we're not going to consider teams that, that don't win a conference title. That's a, that's a thing that they don't have to, uh, they don't have to worry about, right. With, um, with their college football playoff aspirations that they they've been able to get there as an independent before, but playoff, the playoff format, that's another big, that's another big thing in this discussion is um, it doesn't look like they're going to be doing um, new, you know, a new format or expanding. I don't know why I can't find words. Probably my mouth's a little dry. I think that's another factor uh, that's obviously at play here. And then um, yeah, what's the difference looking like in uh, media rights deals? That's obviously a big one for Notre Dame with, with NBC being their uh, long, long time partner, but you're not going to have a problem getting people to watch Notre Dame football. That's another reason that they've been able to be so successful as an independent uh, right now. Let's see. DRock also asks, how huge is Nike out in Oregon and securing NIL deals with recruiting players? Do you see a significant uptick in recruiting with NIL deals in Duck Country? Yeah, I think with, with NIL and, and Oregon, I feel like, Oregon's definitely been ahead of the curve when it comes to the NIL front, obviously creating Division Street, founding Division Street, having former players directly involved with founding that um, that uh, collective. It's probably the right the word I was looking for, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, the greatest player in Oregon women's basketball history. She is uh, involved with, uh, with Division Street and kind of just talking about making sure that the way that it works is beneficial for the athlete as far as just, you know, taking into account the things that are important. I feel like it's, you know, we'd be, we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't say that Nike obviously plays a huge role um, with, with NIL and what perspective recruits kind of see for, uh, for their potential there uh, coming to a school at, at Oregon. I was talking to a recruit not too long ago about um, kind of what, stood out about Oregon and they were talking about that Nike connection and, and, you know, how Nike and, and coming to Oregon obviously presents an opportunity with, with branding and then helping people build their brand at Oregon. So um, I, I don't have any you know specific uh, information with regards to NIL deals with recruits. Um, you know, that's something that can, can get a little touchy to report on, but I don't have any specific information when it comes to that. I'm kind of just trying to give, a little bit of a bigger, broad, uh, broad picture, broad thoughts on 
how Oregon can uh, benefit from NIL. And I think the easiest way to talk about that is just the relationship that they have with Nike and being Nike University and um, just making that very, very apparent. You're seeing these photo shoots with recruits about, um, you know, just holding the shoes up to their heads, like it's a phone, or they're just having all these shoe boxes. They're, they're reading shoe dog. Like that connection with Nike has never been more pronounced, more obvious uh, than right now. You see these recruits taking pictures with a literal Nike symbol cutout. And it's just, if, if, if you're Oregon, you're just sending the message to the rest of uh, college football um, that you're Nike U. And, and that's where uh, that's where it goes. Let's see. The Slayer says, I mean, Oregon recruits well, but without knowing where they'll land at the moment, I could see some current incoming talent be hesitant. Yeah, I think that that that's just goes back to my point of what I was saying earlier about how this is such a big, big moment for college football and college athletics that until Oregon makes a move, until some of these other schools make a move, it, it's, it's going to probably create a little bit of a uh, cloud of uncertainty. Maybe that's too bold of a, of a remark to make right now, but if there's one thing we know about Oregon, it's that um, they're going to try to schedule top teams. Look at their schedule this upcoming year. Georgia is obviously nothing to scoff at. I think that uh, my the way I kind of feel about that game right now is that Oregon should be competitive because they were competitive against Ohio State last year and because Georgia lost a lot of talent. Am I saying right now on July 3rd that I think Oregon's going to beat Georgia? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I feel like after following this team as long as I have, covering this team as long as I have, I think that we've seen the right steps taken and we've seen examples of it where Oregon can be competitive with the big boys in college football. And that's another reason I think that going to the big 10 would, would just help them because recently Oregon's had to play these, these tough games to kind of see where they're at. Right. That was one of the biggest things about that Ohio state game last year, going to that game, what were people thinking about? This is going to help you help you see where you're at under Mario Cristobal. Cristobal is not here anymore, but obviously he left the Ducks with a better situation than where he found them, right? I don't think anyone can deny that. So you play a team like Ohio State and you learn very quickly where you're at and then, you know, can you hang with these top level teams? Granted, that was, uh, you know, one of the first games for Ohio State last year. So it, um, I think playing the team at the start of the season versus middle or end of the season, you're going to see different teams, right? You, I mean, any team is going to want to grow throughout the season. Um, but I, f- I say that because if you go to the Big Ten, you're going to be getting tested a lot more frequently. And hopefully it'll make it kind of these more pronounced statements about where are you at as a program? Where are you at as a football team? What what else do you need to tweak? We know the Big Ten is, is very uh, – very known for their trench talent, the battles at the line of scrimmage, regardless of what team you're looking at. I feel like even some of the middle road, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the middle road teams in the big 10 could just absolutely handle um, pac 12 teams. So I think that that's great. And that's why another reason why I think that the big 10 is the better option for Oregon than the sec. We haven't seen a lot of reporting or necessarily reason to think that 
the SEC is trying to get Oregon or that the Oregon or that Oregon wants to go to the SEC. But in terms of where college football stands now and the direction that it's heading, I feel like Oregon can still be competitive. But if you go to the SEC, I feel like a lot of the benefits are going to be more so on the surface, the the image, the affiliation with these top schools and everything. But if for Oregon fans, if you guys, you know, maybe you can let me know in the comments here. If you're an Oregon fan and you want the Ducks to go to the SEC, tell me some of your reasons because I don't think it's a stretch to say that Oregon is going to have a much easier time being competitive and winning games in the Big Ten than the SEC. Uh, I just feel like the the uh, you know the the potential drawbacks for the SEC kind of outweigh the potential benefits of of joining the SEC, a conference that has just dominated the sport all over the place. Um, so it's, it's just something to consider. That's why I think the the big 10 is definitely the way to go right now. You, you don't want to stay in the pac 12, the pac 12 is a sinking ship pac 10. Should we call it the pac 10 yet? When I go to when I go down to Los Angeles for pac 12 media day later this month, is it going to be the pac 10 media day? No, it's definitely not. Um, because it's not going to become the pac 10 until at least 2024, but man, how interesting is media day going to be this year? I'm sure George Klyavkov is going to get asked a million questions, uh, as is Oregon, as is Washington. And as I say that, it just kind of makes me think that maybe we aren't going to have an answer for a little bit. I hope we have an answer because I'm kind of on the edge of my seat, just like you guys are, as far as wondering what's going to happen here um, with with conference realignment. DRock Iris says up to or thumbs up to Oregon. They don't play cupcake non-conference games. Yeah, and that's that's where I was going when I was talking about this upcoming season. Georgia's obviously about as big of a game that you could schedule with them being the defending national champions, but BYU is a school that I think is going to turn a lot of heads this year. Heck, they were undefeated against the Pac-12 last year. They're heading to the Big 12 uh, in a situation that I think uh, obviously benefits them going from being an independent to joining the Big 12 conference. So I think that's good for them. Uh, let's see. And then Eastern Washington, I think that'll be, that'll be another interesting game to watch. Uh, they obviously gave Oregon a run for their money when they played against Vernon Adams in his first year here in 2015 and Cooper cup just absolutely torched the secondary. The Slayer says, honestly, don't feel like the sec is interested in any pack team. They'll go after ACC teams. Pack has two options, the big 10 or the big 12. Yeah. I think with, with the sec, obviously, if you're looking to poach teams from other conferences, you have the ACC that's right there in your backyard with schools like Miami and Florida State, UNC, uh, VaTech, schools like that. NC State, I think NC State is kind of an underrated ACC school uh, that that is definitely really gritty. But um, we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see what uh, what it happens here with the future of realignment. And uh, as we're waiting for answers, as we get more information, we're gonna do everything that we can to keep you guys updated on this podcast, on this show, uh, on my Twitter account, on DucksDigest.com. So we're gonna go ahead and wind down today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. A huge shout out and thank you to everybody that was here watching the show live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Tours. If you guys are here. Do me a quick favor, take a second out of your day, smash that like button and subscribe to the channel and make sure you hit the notification bell so that you don't have to miss out on any future live streams, future episodes of the Ducks Dish podcast. And then do me a favor, follow me on Twitter at mTourSports. That's where you can find me. 
and then share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, and other Duck fans. It is a, a huge help as we're just trying to grow the show, grow the community, and is a huge help to what I'm doing here covering the Ducks. Thank you to everybody that showed up to the show today. And if you guys are watching on a replay, appreciate you taking your time to support us. Shout out to D-Rock Irish, getting getting some uh, Notre Dame-Oregon overlap. I'm going to see if I can get Brian Driscoll, the uh, publisher of Irish Breakdown, to maybe come on the show with me as we wait here. But that'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for taking some time to tune in wherever you're tuned in. And uh, that'll do it for another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys stopping by, and we will catch you in the next episode.